morning and welcome. Patriot Radio News Hour. No, it's not Monday. Live on this Tuesday. September the, wow, it's September the 4th already, 2018. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. And probably two or three times at least this morning, I'm thinking it's Monday, and then I remember, no, wait a minute, it's Tuesday because of the Labor Day holiday. Just makes me happy. Yeah, because that means we're that much closer to Friday. I hope all of you had a fantastic weekend out there. Uh, as most of you know that you listen to this program, we, my wife and I were in Chicago uh, watching my my oldest son in his first college football game. And, and I'll tell you this, we, we, we couldn't be prouder. Uh, not only did he make one of the bigger plays of the game late in the fourth quarter as the other team was driving to score uh, with a with a big tackle for loss, and then uh, on the very next play, uh, tripped up the running back on that play, forced them to a field goal, and they ended up winning. I know a long story to tell you that my kids, both my kids' teams won. And uh, so we were up there. I will, I will tell you another place that I could never live. Uh, just in tolls, we, we racked up you know, easily, easily 20 bucks worth of tolls. Everywhere you go, it's a toll. <laughs> I mean, everywhere is a toll. And these aren't like they built the roads uh, for the toll. You know, the toll companies built these roads. I mean, they just took over the, the highway system in, in all of Illinois, and so it was a a constant battle of the toll roads while we were out there. Uh, but the the school is gorgeous. Uh, you know, Illinois, once you get outside of Chicago, it's it's pretty rural. You know, there's a lot of, lot of farmland there in Illinois. I mean, a lot of green and trees and all that stuff. Uh, but, but we had a, uh, a good trip. We were excited to see our son, and uh, he, he played, played well. And yeah, there you go. So there was the update there. I will tell you. So we we took him to I'll say lunch slash dinner on Sunday after the game, and so we were kind of quizzing him on how school was going. And you know they've only they've only been in class. They started really late. They didn't start class the last week. And so he was telling us um, he was all upset because he said he goes. Yeah, it really sucks because uh, a bunch of his buddies got to go to the city and they were given $50. And there was, I guess there's a place somewhere in Chicago, and, I, and I'm sorry, I forget the name of it, where uh, you have all of these taste testings and they got to eat food as part of their class. And I'm like, well, what class was that? And it was, it was some kind of a cooking class. And I'm like, oh, well, did did you go to the city? He said, yes. I said, okay, well, wh- where did you do? He goes, I had to go to the Chicago Federal Reserve, right? And I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, well, tell me about it. And he goes, it was awful, right? He go- and he goes, we, we met this guy who was telling us his job at the Chicago Federal Reserve, and his job was to uh, come up with the inflation rate. 
And 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 I said, and I of course now now I'm just fascinated. I can't wait for the details. And, and I said, well, what was what was bad about it? He goes, what, what what was bad? He goes, Dad, it makes no sense. So he was frustrated because he's like, it makes no sense that what this guy was saying makes no sense. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Tell me. And and he said, well, essentially what he was telling us was his department. They have a meeting, they meet all the time, and they're talking about ways to make the inflation rate appear lower than what it is. And he kept saying, he goes, it just makes no sense. They don't even use actual pricing. Right? And so he was, here's what was so funny, I started laughing because I'm like, you, you know, I know all about this stuff. You know, your kids, they, they know what I do, but they don't know what I do, right? They know that, yeah, Dad sells gold and silver, but they don't know uh, all the stuff that goes behind it. We got into this, this uh, what I would consider fantastic di- dinner conversation, and he was talking about how what they do is they have these meetings, and everybody comes to the meetings with ideas of how they can manipulate the inflation rate to a lower level. And and he goes, and then we all talk about it, and then we pick the best idea, and we go with that. And and my my son said, so I just asked the question about, hey, why don't you just use the actual price of stuff? (laughs) Right? I was like, oh, that's my boy. And then he, he goes, the answer was, Dad, I don't even understand it. It was so ridiculous that I was just like, this is dumb. Right? That was kind of his thing. Is like, if something, you know, this is how I got two sons and they couldn't be more different. Uh, but my older son is a very black and white kid. Right? He's, he's like, nope, this is how it is. That doesn't make sense to me. And therefore, if it doesn't make sense to me, it must be dumb. Uh, that's kind of, you know, that's just his 19 year old mentality. Uh, and so he's talking about how uh, his in his economics class, and it's so fantastic. I'm just so excited. So he's got he's going to be making multiple trips to the Chicago Federal Reserve. So I'm like super excited because I want to know what he's going to do down there, and I'll keep you all updated. But I just thought that just fits so well with what we do here, Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Patriot Radio News Hour. The website at allamericangold.com. Of course, the physical delivery of wealth insurance. It is what we do. Uh, and, and you know, it's so funny thinking about the the world that we live in today and how crazy it is. Like right now, we got another big rally in the dollar. Uh, gold's down, silver's down, as more emerging markets blowing up. This time, South Africa, remember, we've been talking a lot about them uh, with, with that platinum play we've been talking about. Uh, they are now officially somehow in a recession. Their currency fell out of bed uh, again this morning. Uh, Argentina, it, it, it's, you can't even keep up. They They moved interest rates 60%. Uh, and to no avail, their currency 
continuing its collapse as well. And, of course, remember, that is the IMF poster child. And I just got to thinking about my son, and it was so funny because as we got further into this, I could I could sense the change in his attitude that, oh, well, wait a minute. I didn't know Dad was all into this. Maybe I need to give this another thought. And he's talking about how his economics professor's in tight. You know, he's written, right, just like everything I've told you. He's written two textbooks. And my son needs to buy the textbooks he wrote for his class. <laughs> and the funny part is the only two books that that he doesn't have are the two from his professor because they're uh, the uh, you know they're new and they're on back order and and I just my wife and I laugh because uh, those two books alone were more than all the rest of his books combined. Uh, but but of course you know this is just how the cow eats the cabbage, and, and so what I'm trying to do and we'll see if this is feasible is when he goes again. If he if he uh, will know what the topic is, like like I said, this time it was inflation, and we just remember here. Now my son is he's a smart kid, you know he was he's not a four student, but he's a three point five student. Okay, he's no dummy. Then comes back and tells me that he's here. He goes to the Chicago Federal Reserve and they're talking about inflation, and he just flat out says. It made absolutely no sense. It was nonsense. And this is how it happens. And I was trying to tell them, you know, all of these guys, they sit in these classrooms and they come up with these these, uh, theories. I said, so these little meetings that they're talking about, they're trying to come up with these theories about how they can misrepresent the facts and act like, uh, they're they're out there for the greater good because remember, the biggest thing about these central banks is they want us all to believe that that they're there for the greater good, right? But the reality is something far far different. You know, you kind of go through and you think about central banks and what they're supposed to do, and you know they provide the economy with with money. Right, you know the the printing press uh, and credit, right, and at least the quote unquote pricing of the credit, right, pricing of the debt. They fight inflation, right. This is one of the huge misnomers out there. They don't fight inflation; they are the inflation. They support output and economic growth, right. Remember, they got two mandates which is stable dollar, right? Stable dollar and unemployment, right? That's their their two mandates. And the fact that they come out and say they can control employment is ridiculous, But, but neither here nor there. Central banks are supposedly in position to effectively fend off, or at the least, mitigate financial and economic crisis right and remember when these bankers met in private in Jekyll Island they weren't talking about how they could mitigate financial crisis 
That was not what they cared about. What they cared about was they wanted to ensure that they stayed on top. And they wanted to ensure that they had the deposits in their hands. Because as, I, as I've said this for many years now, and for a lot of people out there, I know for a fact the vast majority of Americans would call me a liar when I tell people, when you put your paycheck in the bank, you know, it's funny now, most people don't even do that, right, because of direct deposit, right, another scam, uh, right, because it's convenient. When you put your money into the bank, you don't own the money anymore. And this is law going all the way back to when England was the world's superpower. And this has been banking law now for over 400 years, right? You put your money into the bank, and you essentially are now loaning the bank your money. This is how the banks get to loan it to somebody else, right? You can't loan money that isn't yours. See? See how that, see how that works? So when you put your money into the bank, you no longer own the money. So you can understand why the wealthiest people in the world would want to meet to ensure that the people that were putting their money into the bank were putting it where? Into their bank. Right? That, that makes sense. But when they sold it to the American people, and really they sold it to their, their skeptical members of Congress. They sold it as, a, hey, we're going to be able to prevent these crises, right? Remember, they used the, the Knickerbocker crisis of 1907, which, if you didn't listen to this show, you've never heard of it before, and it really had to do with banks taking large positions into the uh, fledgling Wall Street stock market. In particular, I want to say it was with copper. And of course, they were on the wrong side of the trade, went under, and they called it a crisis, and said, see, if we had a central bank that was in charge, that somehow they would prevent all of this uh, malpractice, if you will, preventing member banks from taking risks that they shouldn't take. Well, I mean, come on. Just look at what happened 10 years ago, right? The wolf is guarding the hen house. And, and what I'm hoping to have happen is if my son, if he can do it, we're gonna get, I'm going to have him prepared. And then I will come back to you with how they answered the questions, but already his very first trip to the Central Bank of Chicago in his second day of school, he walks out of there frustrated, mad because his buddies got to go eat food that the school paid for. <laughs> and, I'm and I'm telling him, man, you lucked out. 
Because your buddies, listen, they, they want your, that's what the, the government, the mainstream government wants. They want you out there eating food so you don't know. And so they talk about how these central banks are uh, really meant, what they're really meant to do. And what they are meant to do and what they actually do are two very, very different things. And essentially what they've said is the bankers have convinced the government, not the people, the government, that if giving complete autonomy, that they can somehow create the mythical stable dollar and the mythical uh, 4% unemployment, if you will, all by manipulating debt. Right? That's, that's their, that is what they believe. Via the printing press, we can control all these things. And, of course, the real reality is we've gotten so far away from actual reality that my own son says, why don't you just use the actual price of stuff? <laughs> right? Just made sense. And he was so mad about it, he, he actually thought it was a complete waste of his time. And here they are, and they've got the hearts and minds of these college kids. It's like, that was a total waste of time. It was the dumbest thing I may have ever listened to. But not really understanding how this impacts all of us. And the reason why, when they sit there and they tell you, well, we didn't see any bubble, right? Right, the, the fact that when Ben Bernanke, what was it, in 2008 or 7 or 8, I can't remember what exact year, it was either 08 or 07, and it was August, I remember the month, it was August, and he's talking about how the Fed's funds rate, which was at five and a quarter, and that, oh, the housing market was contained, as just subprime, and we're going to raise rates, only to find out the whole system was based on a bunch of male investment, right, and baloney, right? Just nonsense, as my son was telling me at, at dinner about how much nonsense and how it made no sense. And when I asked the guy why they didn't use the real price of things, I got an answer that made no sense. It was, it was, and I tried to get him to tell me what the answer was. He was, Dad, I can't even explain it. He just started talking and rambling, and nobody even knew what the heck he was saying. And this is kind of the issue we have. They have a monopoly on money. Right? Why not, if this was real, true capitalism, why wouldn't we let the dollar compete? See what the people really want to use. Wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, but, of course, that's not what we're going to get. But but it's one of those things that as we sit here, especially a day like today, okay, so here's what we've got to believe, that over the last, and let's just call it the last four to five months, we've had the 
I guess for lack of a better term, we'll use what the media is calling this trade war. And what we need to believe is that the initial tariffs, right, were good for the dollar, good for Wall Street, bad for gold, right? Because this is the exact opposite, by the way, of the big Wall Street run, right? It was going to be horrible, terrible, and, and all of these other things. But it doesn't matter. Just under follow along. And then when you get a country that agrees to a new deal, then, then the opposite's true, right? Then it's good for gold, bad for the dollar, right? And, and this, is, this is the take that the few that have the money are trying to convince us is happening. That everybody rushes to the dollar while these crises are going on. And now we're seeing all of these countries. And remember, when, when Cyprus happened, we told you it wasn't going to be the first. Then it was Greece. By the way, another strike in Greece over the weekend, right? They're so broke. Uh, wages haven't risen uh, in, in eight years in Greece, by the way. Uh, but let's not talk about that. Now it's heading everywhere else. And again, everybody's running to the dollar. Or are they? That's that. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Liberals and never-Trump Republicans simply can't stand how Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh has long agreed with President Trump on core issues. Unlike Kavanaugh's liberal rivals for nomination of the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh has participated in more than 3,800 cases and unflinchingly defended principles loathed by liberals. How refreshing to actually have a Supreme Court nominee who supports American sovereignty and does not defer to international law. Writing alone, as he has often done on the liberal D.C. Circuit, Judge Kavanaugh has explained in 2006 that the War Powers Clause is not restricted by international law. In another case that began in 2007, Kavanaugh dissented from a decision that gave illegal aliens the same rights as American workers in forming unions for collective bargaining. On the Second Amendment, Judge Kavanaugh was on the panel that heard a challenge to D.C.'s strict gun controls after the Supreme Court solidified the individual right under the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms. The majority of that panel then upheld the gun control, as courts do across the country right now. Judge Kavanaugh strongly dissented from the pro-gun control decision and wrote in favor of a Second Amendment that should be defended as strongly by the courts as the First Amendment is. Justice Clarence Thomas will have a strong ally on the Supreme Court for the Second Amendment once Kavanaugh is confirmed. None of the other eight justices on the Supreme Court, including Neil Gorsuch, would join Justice Thomas's dissent in February, decrying how gun control laws are being upheld by courts of appeals, and the Supreme Court is refusing to accept those cases to review and reverse. The stark reality is that the Supreme Court has not taken a real Second Amendment case in years, and lower courts have gotten that message that they can uphold gun control laws without any fear of being reversed. 
We can expect Kavanaugh to call out his colleagues if they continue to duck Second Amendment appeals, and his strong legal reasoning should help protect that fundamental right against further erosion. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Do you have any doubt about how powerful the behind the scenes can be? I'll give you another great example. So Senator McCain has passed. You need to have someone fill in. You think it'd be somebody new, somebody we haven't heard of, or what have you? Nope, they dusted off John Kyle. Apparently, John Kyle is going to jump back in. Because let's face it, we want to make sure we know the person we're dealing with. Uh, that just happened just across the headlines here. Uh, a former senator, Arizona Senator John Kyle, I guess, is going to be filling in for, for uh, the rest of Senator McCain's term. Uh, and again, just shows you how much corruption there really is in all of this. But one of the things that it was very interesting, at least to me, is here we are, it's a Labor Day weekend, and we get multiple sources, sources like Bloomberg and CNBC and others, reporting during the holiday that all may not be as it seems. Because if you were to be a, and I'll say this, let's just say you're a somewhat savvy investor. Based on what you see today and what you've seen over, let's say, the last six months, you've seen the dollar continue to strengthen whether it be trade wars or emerging markets blowing up. And again, you know what? And here's the thing I have about this emerging market. Emerging markets lead you to think of Cyprus or Greece, countries that, that I don't even know where Cyprus ranks, but I know Greece isn't even in the top 50 economies of the world. But then you start talking about Turkey, Italy, right? South Africa, hardly what you would consider to be emerging, right? These are large economies. These are top 25, top 50, uh, you know, in, in regards to, I know Turkey's number 17, Italy's a little higher than them. I mean, these are, you know, if you're looking at college football rankings, these are top 20 teams. And all of a sudden, their currencies are starting to blow up. And you would think, based upon the way the dollar and based upon the way the yield curve is reacting, that everybody was rushing into uh, U.S. Treasuries, right? Everyone's buying dollars to protect themselves. See, that was the old way. 
Like, this is what used to happen. And they want you to believe that it's still happening. Right? And by and large, hey, a lot of this stuff is done by robots. And that's what what we programmed the robot to do. Oh, there's a currency blowing up. Buy U.S. bonds, right? Buy the dollar. Short their currency, go long dollar, right? These are what the algos are written on. And then over the weekend, when nobody should be paying attention, heck, I was even though I was in Chicago, I spent a lot of time sitting at the airport, so I had time. Found out something very different. This was first, it started on the second. This was when I saw uh, the first break in the story. The Chinese currency is set to take an increasing share of the world's foreign exchange reserve. With the dollar and the yen having to make up the most room proportionately for the newcomer on the block. According to Goldman Sachs, they said that they've seen an acceleration in the foreign inflows into the Chinese fixed income markets in recent months. And so here's what's funny, right? The Chinese currency, it fell almost 10%, and they're still putting it in there. Despite the tumble in the renminbi, has showcased the power of allocation demand for the world's number three bond market. And I had no idea that they were already th- number three. That's huge, right? And, and, and thinking that this is probably one of the least developed areas for China as far as internationally goes. Central banks, will probably account for over 25% of inflows into Chinese bonds in the five years through 2022. You heard me right. Central banks are going to be 25% of that, right? And you can start, you know, thinking about that, what that really means. And remember, we keep talking about Who's going to buy all this debt that the Fed has created? We're not even, we're less than $40 billion away from $21.5 trillion, right? I mean, essentially, before September's over, we're going to be over $21.5 trillion, right? And remember, we got that target at the end of the year, we're going to be $22 trillion, but don't worry. They said reserve reallocation. In other words, everybody think and think about it this way. Whether you're a central bank or you're one of these huge multinational companies. Okay? First of all, if you're a multinational company, the one thing you're not going to do is put your money in the bank. Because if you put your money in the bank, it means it's not your money anymore. Right? So they don't do that. You know, when you think about like Apple or Amazon, they keep enough money in there 
you know, to, to big payroll and to buy certain things, but the vast majority of their profits are in bonds. They don't leave it in the bank. And then they kind of pick where what bonds they want to buy. So now they're talking about the reallocation could be more concentrated in renminbi than in dollar and yen. Because central banks already hold the bulk of their reserves in dollars. <laughs> kind of makes sense. The rise in the renminbi's prominence will impact the yen more than the dollar. Again, this is a note by gold. I'll tell you why they believe that when we return. Everything's down today. Blame Canada. Yeah, it's the Canadians' fault. They won't sign that quote-unquote free trade agreement. Uh, when they do, I think you'll see another big bounce uh, in, in gold and silver. I don't think it. I know it. That's was what they've got the robots program to do. But again, you need to look past the headlines because normally what they show us isn't what's really happening. Well, and, um, it is, but there's more to it, right? There, there's, there's something else happening that they don't want you to know. And a story like this, you would think this would be big time news. Now that's called uh, wait till the wait wait till Labor Day, and specifically on the holiday uh, to release it. So hopefully nobody sees it. Talking about how Japan and the United States are going to be hit as all of a sudden the Chinese bond market is picking up steam. They have a program. They call it the Connect program where they use Hong Kong as a way now to let foreign investors into their into their bond market. In other words, they can add the renminbi to its reserves. Something they didn't weren't able to do before and having to deal with mainland China much harder. So the Chinese are using the Connect program in Hong Kong. And then something else that I learned is starting next year, China is going to be included now in the Bloomberg Barclays Global Aggregate Index. And I know that's a mouthful. But they are now going to, to be uh, part of this this index that tracks these foreign or these government bonds, which means there's going to be a lot more people buying them, because now it's not you know something you got to do in Hong Kong. This is something that they'll be able to do globally, uh, and they think that the Chinese are getting ready uh, to make a major step forward, according to J.P. Morgan and their asset management division, uh, that not only are they uh, surprised at how the Chinese bonds have performed, giving what's happened with their currency, they 
think that there's going to be an increased, greater demand for Chinese bonds uh, starting next year as more and more people get the opportunity. In other words, China's blocked it. Only 7% of the Chinese debt is held outside of China. So you think about here and and how much debt is publicly owned, and and you can kind of see uh, how much room there is to run. But again, this is going to add to the problems that the central bank doesn't want to deal with and doesn't want to talk about right now, right? They're trying to pretend they've got all of this under control, but it's very obvious that they don't. And so when you start looking at at what's happening today, this is nothing more than really a great buying opportunity for what's coming. So now you have you've had Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan both coming out over the weekend and saying, "Hey, guess what? Uh, a lot of people want to buy uh, Chinese debt, right? A lot of people now want to diversify their portfolio." And this is what I keep telling you, be your own central bank. Look at what they're doing. Right? One of the things that we have seen, despite what it appears to be, is we've seen central banks buying gold, central banks bringing their gold home, right, and bringing it specifically from where? From the U.S., bringing it back home. Right, we're seeing them diversify out of dollars. The only practical way for us to do that is by buying gold and silver. That's really the only practical way for us to do it. Right, otherwise you're involved in some form of a debt instrument, and so without being involved in the debt instrument, this is how you you do it here at home. This morning. We had a huge, and I'll call it crash, if you will, in the price of silver. It has since rebounded uh, pretty nicely here, but it's still down. But right now, silver's at $14.13. Early this morning, silver got to 85 Ounces. You needed 85 ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. It's down to 84 and a half. This was the highest. I'd never seen it that high. Once, I think late last year, we got to 84 for like a day. And we've been we've been hovering around, you know, 78 to say 81 for a for the most of the last six months. So I said, wow, I don't I don't think I've ever seen that. So I wanted to go back and look. I know that at one point in history you needed a hundred ounces. I just didn't know when. So I went to uh I went to Macro Trend. Uh they're very respected people. They do a lot of historical charts. They have a 100-year chart of the amount of ounces of silver to gold that you would, you know, how many ounces of silver you'd need to buy an ounce of gold. The highest 
was January 1991 when it hit 100. The next highest was 1940. Third highest, what I saw this morning. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll talk about that in the final segment. 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number talking about silver and how many ounces of silver it takes to buy an ounce of gold. This morning it hit 85. And, and of course, you know me, I've been telling you for years, anything, you know, 65 ounces is what I consider neutral. Uh, but, but in history... The highest it ever was, was 1991. 100 ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. One year later, it was actually down to to 80. And then proceeded down to uh, more of that 60 level. The next highest outside of this morning was 1940. Right, right, right before we were getting ready to enter World War II. And, of course, I don't actually count that because gold wasn't even allowed to trade freely. So I, I don't know uh, if that's a real, true comparison. But, but nonetheless, the, um, that was at 97. So if you take that out, over the last hundred and really it's now about 105 years. This is the second cheapest time relative to the price of gold that we've seen in silver. And going back, like I said, to 1991, and it lasted for about six months. Uh, so from January to, to about July or August, and then after August, it was below where it sits today. So if you think about gold trading, started trading freely in 1971. This is, in that time period, the second uh, least expensive silver has ever been uh, in correlation to the gold price. Um, in both locations, I have in both locations, so I have these both in Arizona and Colorado. And, and it's kind of a weird price, but it just it needs to be what it needs to be. I've got rolls of dimes. Right, There's 50 dimes in a roll at $56. And then I've got rolls of quarters at 112 at 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number. Uh, U.S. Silver Eagles. I, I also have these in stock as well, but they're a little little more expensive, $355, uh, only because, they're, again, there's no backdate Silver Eagles out there right now. Um, so 355 on U.S. Silver Eagles, and we'll see how much longer. I'm getting. I'm, I'm, my guess is that by the end of the year, that that difference in the premium between the olders and the newers is probably going to go away. 
uh, and we'll be back to that one-tiered pricing in silver. Uh, but if you're looking to get in to the cheapest silver price, at least in correlation to gold that we've seen since 1991, uh, the dimes and the quarters are the way to go. $56 a roll on dimes, $112 a roll on quarters. At 800 Everyone take care. We'll be back tomorrow.